Hello listeners and welcome to the Montel Pod Extra, bringing you the latest energy market developments in these unprecedented COVID-19 times. Joining me, Richard Sverison today is Johan Bautlhrenson of the Salgranska University Hospital in Gothenburg. You're a doctor, Johan, so you're going to tell us all about what COVID-19 means and what we can expect the months to come. A warm welcome, Johan. Thank you. I'll definitely try my best. Perfect. That's all we can, that's all we can ask, Johan. So um, first of all, I, I just want to ask, what's the situation like in Gothenburg at the moment? We hear lots of stories that Sweden has taken a very different approach, but what's it like on the ground? Yeah, I mean, uh, Gothenburg is uh, actually a bit behind Stockholm, maybe you hear more news from Stockholm, but uh, we're still, I mean, the pressure is still building here. And uh, at least now we have some predictions that the pandemic is going to peak somewhere around 20th of May. In Sweden or in Gothenburg? In Gothenburg. Okay. Okay. So that's just around the corner. Yeah. It seems to be going down in Stockholm, Mm -hmm. at least based on the numbers that we have now. I think we'll get back to talking about the different strategies adopted by certain countries. But I know you're not an epidemiologist, or I don't know how you pronounce that. But if you can give us some indication or some some idea of what we're dealing with here, the COVID-19 virus. I mean, who does it hit primarily? We hear that it's, you know, it's the over 70s, but I'm reading constantly about people in their 40s, in their 50s, you know, which gets me very worried. You know. <laughs> yeah, just so I understand correctly. I mean, by getting hit, do you mean? Yeah, so severely hit, severely impacted by them, even going so far as, unfortunately, you know, of dying. What we know so far is that, Yes, if you are in the elderly age groups, if you're above 70 years of age, or if you have any risk factors, such as hypertension, diabetes, and so forth, that seems to play a very large or a big role in the disease and how it develops. We also know that there are a great amount of people who get the virus and uh, they don't have a lot of symptoms. But if you are elderly and you have these comorbidities, then your chances of getting a severe version of the disease Mm. become greater. But we don't, I mean, we can't really completely explain, at least not right now, why there are some people that get the severe version of the disease, if I can allow myself to say that. But we know that the body responds too much, basically. So your body gets inflamed to uh, respond to the viral infection, but the inflammation response gets out of hand and it affects your lungs, among other things. Okay, so it's, I mean, it's not exactly random, but, you know, you can be very unlucky in some ways. Would that be correct? Yes, I mean, you can definitely be very unlucky. I've, from my colleagues who work at the intensive care unit here, I've, of course, they're very biased. They just meet the, the sickest people. But, I mean, I was talking to a colleague the other day and she was telling me about this young man around 24 who I mean he was on a respirator but I think that's that's very 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 uncommon but of course that can happen. So I mean countries are adopting very different strategies I mean the best thing is to do is to not be in contact so obviously that's why people are encouraged to the social distancing staying at home but can you tell me a little bit about the different strategies that have been adopted 
by certain countries and the reasons for that. As I said, I can do my best. Yeah, you're not sitting in government in these countries, of course, uh, Johan. <laughs> no. But uh, but you may be able to give us some understanding of the the medical reasoning behind this. I mean, they they have some experts uh, advising them on these issues. I would have thought. Yeah, I mean, here in Sweden. How I understand it, their approach is that we want the virus to spread as fast as possible within the population without the healthcare being overloaded. What their aim is, is the so-called herd immunity. So if you have an X amount of the population infected, it gets harder and harder for the virus to spread itself. The way I've seen it, they've been trying to have their limitations and their rules as um, soft as possible so that the virus can spread without the load on the healthcare being too much. Of course. So you, you've seen in some countries, I mean, particularly Greece and the Czech Republic, you know, it's hardly, it's hardly been affected at all. So, you know, I think that there's quite a contrast here, isn't there? Yeah, but it's also extremely difficult to compare countries. I mean, you can compare Sweden and Denmark and Norway, for example, because the healthcare facilities here are and their approaches, not in this pandemic, but in general, are similar. So you can do that. But I mean, so much of the numbers that we are using are based on how many people you test and so forth. So what do you think makes policymakers decide to end lockdown or to ease the restrictions? What are they looking for? That's a difficult question. I mean, what can happen is the second wave after the first wave. At least from the numbers, uh, I've seen some numbers from the US uh, in the Spanish flu in 1918. There seems to be a sweet spot, so to speak, that if you implement social distancing, you can flatten the curve, but you can expect if the curve is too flat in the first peak, then it may be that the second peak is high as well. But if you don't flatten the curve at all, you have a very high death rate. So you have to try and find a way in between there. Some very, very difficult choices there uh, to be made by the policymakers. But you mentioned the second wave. I mean, how likely is it that we will see a second wave? It depends how you define a, a second wave. I mean, for example, in, in South Korea, which have been doing very well, they just recently had a, a cluster of 34 cases in one day. But th- then they reacted. So their approach is going to keep the curve flat. So, I mean, it's not probable that they're going to have another peak. But it's very hard to say how, I mean, how many months weeks or months, they're going to have to continue with their strategies. Johan, you talked about the Spanish flu uh, pandemic of, of 1918. What has that taught us in terms of what, what are the lessons learned? The evidence from that showed us, at least in America, from what I've read about it, is that social distancing really works. I mean, that's the most important thing that we can do. That's absolutely fair enough. And what I mean, I know this is going to be a difficult question to ask again, Johan, but when will we be out of this? When when can I come and visit you in Gothenburg, for example? <laughs> well, I wish I knew. I mean, the only information that we have is from from Asia, Eastern Asia, because, I mean, it started there. Because, I mean, this, as you said, is unprecedented. And although it's a, the epidemic in 1918 was very large, things were totally different then. We can't really extrapolate all the data from then to now. I know this is a very evasive answer. <laughs> so, I mean, in some ways, it's it's impossible to know, of course. It's uh, you're yeah. sticking your, your hand in the air a bit. Johan, 
thank you very much for, for joining the Montel uh, Pod Extra today. Um, we didn't talk very much about energy, but you've given us an excellent uh, overview of, of the medical thinking behind what we're seeing now and, and where, where the next steps are. So thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, listeners, that's all for today. Remember to tune in every day at five o'clock CET on covid19.montelnews.com via the Montel website and on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please remember to tune into the Montel Weekly as well every Friday, where we'll be bringing you all the relevant energy market news and updates. Thank you. Bye.